losing my daughter and then them not taking me serious. Indifference about her daughter's disappearance, Chelsea Foreman's family, friends and supporters rally for transparency and police accountability. Plus, we will probably have to navigate through this at least for the summer. The Vancouver Island Hospital's sudden ER shutdown and why it's likely to happen again and... I'm not trying to do anything, I just literally want to reflect my culture. Red carpet rejection, the fallout after an Indigenous filmmaker is turned away for wearing moccasins. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Friends and family of a young Indigenous woman marched and rallied today, weeks after her body was found outside an empty Vancouver mansion. As Julia Foy reports, they're fighting to keep Chelsea Poorman's memory alive as they demand answers into her death investigation. Take a deep breath before doing this. The red hand is a silent symbol representing missing and murdered Indigenous women. Several people wore one, gathered outside the $7 million mansion where the body of 24-year-old Chelsea Poorman was found in April. Women have been taken from us, killed, murdered, raped, uh, such as this young lady, which is heartbreaking. It needs to stop. Friends and families came together, hoping to keep Chelsea's memory alive. I'm very sad that we're here once again. And I don't mean just once again for our dear loved one, our lost one, Chelsea. I mean for all of the times this has happened before. Vancouver police officers arrived at the house before the march. They spent time in the backyard of the property. But a media spokesperson says they were only present to support the march participants. Previously, senior homicide investigators found insufficient evidence to suggest her death was the result of a crime. No coroner's report has been released. The family feels police didn't search for Chelsea soon enough. I cried to them. I told them that she was, um, and she was vulnerable, and they didn't. They didn't take me serious. The walk for Chelsea traveled down Granville Street, from the place she was found dead to where she was last seen alive. Her picture posted along the route. Justice, Chelsea. Chelsea disappeared September 6, 2020, after being at a club on Granville Strip with her sister, then visiting friends across the street. Her mom has a plea for whoever was with her that night. Whoever came to this house with my daughter that night, I ask you to come forward so we, the family, can have closures to what happened to Chelsea. Julia Foy, Global News. Turning now to the Peace Region, where residents have just been inundated with rain this weekend. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell is joining us now for the latest. So, Yvonne, when might the rainfall warning and therefore flood watch be lifted? As we get in late this evening, so right now it still remains in effect. We've got a flood watch as well as a warning that will likely take us in towards tomorrow. And what we've been seeing since last night and through the day today is a significant amount of rain as for areas near the Peace. Now, Hudson Hope as well as Chetwin, that's where we've seen higher amounts that will still need to see that range between 60 and up to 80 
90 millimeters. And what we're still seeing for this evening and leading overnight in is additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters. And then it'll taper off to a chance of showers for tomorrow, with it also paired with windy conditions and gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour. So we've got the high stream flow advisory. That's for the areas Skeena is included within that. And the flood watch for the Peace region will likely continue with it peaking either tonight and leading in towards tomorrow. And with the flood watch, river levels are rising. A makeseed bankful flooding of areas adjacent to rivers may occur. So we'll be watching this, but the heaviest rainfall will likely taper off as we get an overnight and then we'll hang on to a chance for some showers. More coming up and we are looking at some instability and tracking the risk of thunderstorms for tomorrow. Nithu? All right. Helpful timeline there. Thanks for that, Yvonne. A northern Vancouver Island community was directly impacted this weekend by the chronic health care labour shortage. The emergency room at the Port McNeil Hospital was closed overnight due to a nursing shortage. As Amadagahi reports, there's no guarantee such closures won't happen again. Well, very concerning. We need this hospital. For 12 hours, Friday night into early Saturday morning, the more than 2,000 residents in Port McNeil were without an emergency room. The reason, a nursing shortage. It's not the first time that it's happened and in our discussions with Island Health, we understand that the staffing issue is quite um, a concern. In early March, the same ER department also closed for a 12-hour stretch, that time because of a doctor shortage. Uh, it's certainly been getting uh, worse lately. We've had uh, emergency room closures, um, just doctor shortages, and even just trying to get in a doctor's appointment in town is is often hard to do. In times of diversion in this small northern Vancouver Island town, the health authority has advised people to travel 30 minutes by car to Fort Hardy. But for some, there are transportation concerns. So there's a lot of fear in the community because of the unknown, so they don't understand what a diversion is and uh, what a closure is and what's the difference. Staffing shortages have plagued many small hospitals throughout the province. Diversion of care, not just happening here. Uh, it's a big stress. Uh, it's happening in Clearwater. It's happening in Ashcroft and around Kamloops. It's happening on the island. It's happening in northern communities. Um, it's getting worse. The opposition is pressuring government to come up with funding and a plan to ease some of the burden on an already understaffed and stressed medical workforce. Uh, when you have an actual emergency room, you would expect it to be open. When the topic so came up Friday, the health minister there. pointed to an effort by the NDP to add nursing school seats in the hundreds ahead of a more comprehensive plan. Just uh, about a month ago, we added 602 new nursing spaces in BC uh, colleges and universities across the province. But it could be years until those potential students are able to enter the field, leaving residents in small communities worried about permanent disruptions. But, uh, this small town is very important to the province and we need to be looked after here. Yeah, if somebody gets hurt, or, um, my in-laws are living right across the street and they're, they're elderly, so... You know, it's concerning because, you know, the closest hospital is a, a 30-minute drive minimum. So, Amadagahi, Global News. In the interior, nurses are pushing for changes at Royal Inland Hospital. The hospital is facing severe staff shortages. In short, the same issues facing so many other health care facilities in the province. So this week, nurses presented their ideas to upper management. Our report is from CFJC News. After recent meetings with the CEO of Interior Health, the BC Nurses Union says its membership in Kamloops will have to play a waiting game to see if any of the solutions they presented will be acted on. I think they members for the most part appreciated um, the CEO coming and meeting with them. 
but uh, I think proof will be in, in what actions come out of that meeting. The BCNU says ongoing staff shortages, issues with the new electronic charting system, the amount of overtime shifts and redeployments at the hospital have led to widespread burnout. The emergency department, the ICU, the fact that the, the coronary care unit has been closed for um, almost a year, uh, the fact that the, the pediatric unit um, was temporarily closed. Uh, we know that there's a crisis in many parts of the province, uh, but it really is exceptionally uh, concerning. They're worried for the summer. I, I understand their concerns and we we need to uh, commit to actioning some of what they've brought forward. As I say, there were it was productive meetings. They had great ideas that were well thought out. Staff have also pointed to what they claim is a funding disparity between Kelowna's hospital compared to Kamloops with regard to nursing and allied health ratios. I have heard from the staff in two areas in particular and we'll look at them uh, starting first. And if there's any inequity, we will look at uh, course correcting. Healthcare workers in Kamloops had a chance to bring problems and solutions to the attention of top brass at Interior Health, and now the nurses' union says it's time to act. They have been carrying this healthcare crisis for far too long. They show up every day and try to do the very best they can in, in some very challenging conditions, and we're at a point where they just can't do it anymore. Delana Nishaw, CFJC News. One man is in custody after a triple stabbing at a home outside of Victoria. It happened last evening in the 10,000 block of Derrick Road in North Saanich. Sydney North Saanich RCMP say they received a 911 call suggesting multiple people had been seriously injured by a suspect still inside the home. Police discovered three individuals who'd been stabbed repeatedly and a suspect described as agitated and violent. He was arrested and remains in custody. The victims are in stable condition and expected to survive. Police believe the suspect and victims are known to one another. Vanderhoof RCMP are appealing for clues from the public in the disappearance of a young woman who vanished 11 years ago today. 20-year-old Madison Scott was last seen around 3 a.m. on May 28, 2011 at Hogsback Lake, southeast of Vanderhoof, where she was attending a friend's birthday party. When she failed to return home the next day, her parents drove to the lake and found her truck with her purse still inside and a flattened tent. Despite extensive air and ground searches, no sign of Madison was ever found. The Scott family is offering a $100,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and charge of any individuals responsible for Madison's disappearance. There are renewed calls for more resources on the front lines, especially when it comes to mental health issues. It comes as the Lower Mainland deals with seven police-involved shootings in the past two months. Aaron MacArthur has the details. They shot him, eh? I heard it from my house. I heard the gunshots. It's a scene that has been played out multiple times in 2022. Police officers using their guns on armed suspects. Tuesday, a woman in Surrey was shot while she was holding a machete. Uh, they were cutting the clothes off of her. She had handcuffs on. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy actually but this latest police involved shooting one of seven since april the first nearly eclipsing the total number from 2021 in only two months the independent investigations office says there doesn't appear to be any pattern to the incidents 
It's really hard to pinpoint reasons uh, why this happens. Uh, it is putting uh, a continued strain on the resourcing of our office. Three of the shootings have been in Surrey. Aside from Tuesday's incident, a man who was suspected of stealing a truck at gunpoint was shot as he confronted officers. And another man was killed inside a Wally home after he was believed to have been brandishing a weapon nearby. Critics say these cases all appear to have one thing in common, mental health. Pivot Legal Society says the issue goes beyond police forces. Government policy hasn't kept pace with community needs. None of these bodies seem interested in a cohesive response that takes police out of wellness checks and stops deploying any kind of weapon against someone in distress. Last month, a report was released that could redefine policing in this province. Supported unanimously by the MLAs on the committee, it called for a new model of policing and said police officers being used as first responders in mental health cases was inappropriate. This is a systemic issue. Um, when you're looking at an example of someone who's in a mental health crisis and the only available response that's on call 24-7 is a police response. The IIO will examine each of the shootings and determine if the force used was justified. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The suspect accused of breaking into a Surrey woman's home last weekend and sexually assaulting her has now been charged. 43-year-old Matthew Christopher Ham is accused of sexual assault with a weapon, break and enter, unlawful confinement and uttering threats. RCMP say a woman reported a stranger broke into her home in the 12900 block of 101A Avenue in Wally early Saturday and sexually assaulted her. The alleged victim was treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries. Police issued these photos days later and Ham was arrested on Wednesday. He's also charged with break and enter in New Westminster on May 6th and breaching a release order in Delta last Friday. Ham remains in custody pending a June 3rd court appearance. BC's search and rescue dog community is grieving the loss of one of its own in a hit and run collision. Kamloops Search and Rescue shared the tragic news about Gertie in a social media post. The eight-year-old shepherd was struck and killed by a driver in a hit and run on Monday. Gertie and her handler, Michelle Lieb-Hofsey, logged many kilometers and hours on major searches in the interior. The pair spent days looking for Ryan Stuka, who vanished from Sun Peaks in 2018, and also helped search for cowboy Ben Tyner, who went missing near Merritt in 2019. More recently, they were involved in the search for Shannon White near Kamloops. Campbell River RCMP is seeking the public's help to locate two pieces of Indigenous art stolen from a local charity. The pieces, a framed grizzly print by Brent J. Smith and a hand-painted drum by Greg Henderson, were taken over the Victoria Day long weekend. The charity just wants the prints back and police are hoping the thieves will do the right thing and return the artwork. No questions asked. RCMP say charges for possessing property obtained by crime could be pursued if they have to track down the art. A tentative deal has been reached in the Sea to Sky transit strike. Unifor Local 114 representing transit workers has signed a tentative agreement with the employer Pacific Western Transportation. Transit operators are set to vote on the agreement on May 30th. If ratified, the union says bus service will resume when it's safe to do so. No details have been released about the agreement's contents, but the union is hoping its members will vote to approve it. Transit workers in Whistler, Squamish and Pemberton have been on strike since January 29th.
And still ahead, red carpet refusal. To bring my culture to this red carpet event, to be told, get out. The apology after this Indigenous filmmaker's attempt to showcase his culture got him kicked out. And later. He goes down in Japanese-Canadian history as the only man who got his land back. The story behind a new BC park honoring a World War II veteran who fought to have his land returned. This week marks one year since at least 200 possible unmarked burials were detected at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. And today the public was invited to commemorate the occasion in downtown Vancouver. People were welcome to pray, offer items, and watch ceremonies on the south side of the Vancouver Art Gallery, where for the past year, a shoe installation has been honoring the many children who died while attending the institutions of assimilation across Canada. It's hoped the site and public events such as this one will contribute to healing and truth and reconciliation. The people who showed up today, I'm so grateful that they showed up because Truth has to come before reconciliation. And so the importance of knowing the truth and what is going on and them being a part of this not only shows reconciliation, it also shows reconciliation, which is really important. Obviously, this is something that um, my little one doesn't quite understand, but it is something that I hope in the future he does grow up learning and understanding, um, you know, what what went on um, with the residential schools, with the history of the Indigenous people, um, you know, the colonization of, you know, Europeans coming over into Canada and what that means. And, you know, there is a burden there that I, I would hope that we all can understand and that he could um, learn and grow from as well. A Vancouver-based filmmaker suddenly found himself teaching an important lesson about cultural awareness to organizers of one of the most high-profile film festivals in the world. As Paul Johnson reports, it comes after he was not allowed into the Cannes Film Festival's famed red carpet for daring to wear moccasins on his feet. You'd be hard-pressed to find a modern ritual with more fanatical rules of decorum than the entertainment business red carpet. And if your thing is film, the holy of the holies is Khan. Going to Khan is definitely a rare opportunity. Vancouver's Kelvin Redvers is a Dene filmmaker with an already impressive list of productions. Here's a bit of his edgy short, The Dancing Cop. So when an opportunity came to travel to the Cannes Film Festival with a group of other indigenous filmmakers from Canada, Redvers wanted to do something memorable with his red carpet moment. The idea of doing a, a bow tie, a black suit, and a pair of moccasins seemed like a classy and subtle way to show some of my culture. And it's been done before. Previous attendees have worn kilts and saris without incident. So Redvers was understandably rattled when he was singled out and then 86 by this dress code enforcer. To be told, get out, this isn't welcome here, um, is something that stings and it, and it still stings. Well, the Cannes Film Festival didn't respond to our request for comment. Redvers says they did apologize the next day. And Canada's Indigenous Screen Office says while it was disappointing to see him turned away, in the end, it was an opportunity for more cultural understanding. And 
Redvers was offered another red carpet moment the next night. They said, what can we do? I said, I would like to walk the red carpet with my moccasins. <laughs> so while it's still unclear if the festival is updating its list of acceptable attire, Redvers can be proud to score this first. Dene moccasins have now graced the carpet at Cannes. Paul Johnson, Global News. A new symbol of friendship and collaboration now stands proudly in View Royal. Wow. A totem pole was unveiled this morning in front of the View Royal Fire Department in a celebrated celebration rather led by the Esquimalt and Songhees nations. At the base is a bear and salmon representing four salmon-bearing creeks that once flowed into Esquimalt Harbor and the people who had to fight off the bears going after the fish. At the top, an eagle representing the protection offered by the View Royal firefighters. And I couldn't think of anything better than to put on the top of this pole than the spread winged eagle for the job that these people do here, the, the uh, first responders, the, the, the fire hall. I see them on the reserve all the time and they just do a hell of a job and I was honored to be able to do this for them and, and to represent them with the spread winged eagle was just, I couldn't have come up with a better idea. Coming up, mistakes during a mass shooting. As families push for answers, what police are admitting about their response to the Uvalde, Texas mass shooting. Plus, the message from the U.S. Vice President attending a funeral for a Buffalo, New York mass shooting victim. There is mounting public anger being directed at law enforcement in Uvalde, Texas, after police confirmed on Friday that officers' actions during Tuesday's shooting were flawed. And while broken families demand answers, this shooting only furthers the divide over where to lay blame for gun violence. Global's Reggie Cicchini reports. As a new day began in Uvalde, community members are frozen with heartache. To the moment, 21 people lost their lives. My heart has this, kind, this big of a hole. And while residents in this city grieve, they're also angry. They let, us, let our baby get slaughtered. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has expressed dismay at a flawed police response and faces growing calls to open an investigation. They need answers that are accurate, and it is inexcusable that they may have suffered from any inaccurate information whatsoever. In a country where mass shootings have become commonplace, Gun rights groups, like the National Rifle Association, work to shift the narrative. There are always so many warning signs. Almost all of these disfigured minds share the same profile. At the NRA's convention just down the road in Houston, blame was placed on a mental health crisis. Democrats say that reality simply doesn't exist. An assault weapon is a weapon of war with no place on no place in a civil society. Uvalde is now on a list with so many other cities where mass shootings are etched into their history. They're starting to occur way, way too often. Lonnie and Sandy Phillips advocate for gun control and work with families through an impossible journey. Their daughter Jessica survived the 2012 Eaton Center shooting in Toronto, only to die a month later when a gunman opened fire in a theater in Aurora, Colorado. It's a shame that the survivors are the ones that have to stand up and fight when they've already been traumatized enough. 
with Uvalde now preparing to act as a shoulder for the next city impacted by gun violence. U.S. President Joe Biden will mourn with this community on Sunday, offering a shoulder of his own, but likely few solutions to end this cycle. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Uvalde, Texas. And U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris called for a ban on assault weapons in the U.S. and the passage of much-delayed gun control legislation. She made the remarks following a funeral for the oldest victim of the Buffalo mass shooting, where she said the U.S. is experiencing an epidemic of hate. Enough is enough. We will come together based on what we all know we have in common, and we will not let those people who are motivated by hate separate us or make us feel fear. Harris was not expected to speak at the funeral for Ruth Whitfield. The 86-year-old was among the 10 people killed when a white supremacist opened fire inside a Buffalo grocery store two weeks ago today. Back here in B.C., a new hospice is on the cusp of opening in Langley to provide care for patients who are dying. The 15-room facility on 52nd Avenue will mean palliative care closer to home for those in the Fraser Valley. It comes equipped with specialized care spaces, private rooms, and access to fresh air and sunshine. Staff and volunteers will be on hand to provide comfort and support for both patients and their families. It's the culmination of years of work, including raising $4 million in private donations. We have approached the end of the building construction. We are now embarking on a new beginning in the ongoing continuum of compassionate care and support provided by the dedicated Fraser Health nursing care team and the Langley Hospice Society staff and volunteers for end-of-life patients and their families at Langley's beautiful new hospice home. The facility includes Langley's first bariatric room to care for obese patients. After this break, Yvonne's back with the full forecast and a beloved new Westminster parade makes a comeback with a belated anniversary celebration put on hold during the pandemic. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, a springtime event returned to the streets of New Westminster this weekend. Many families lined the streets this morning to watch as bands, floats, community groups and artists marched in the annual Hayek International Parade. 2021 was the official 50th anniversary of the parade, but organizers are celebrating that milestone this year because the easing of pandemic restrictions is allowing for greater activities this year. And it looks like it didn't rain on that parade. It might have at some point. Let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at what's ahead this evening weather-wise. Yeah, Yvonne. it was pleasant. It's more cloud cover, but it still remained dry. We are mm. going to be tracking a slight chance for an isolated shower tomorrow, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. Current conditions, however, keep this in mind for areas that are closer to the water. It'll be breezy at times this evening, overnight, and then through the day for tomorrow, likely easing late afternoon. Right now, we've got sustained winds at around 20. We've got gusts of up to 30 kilometers per hour. We've got a 
wave of showers, and that's just in for the Fraser Valley. Extending in towards eastern areas, we'll see a few isolated showers possible with a system that's just towards the south of us. That's what we're tracking along the south coast, but the big weather event with a significant amount of rain is for the peace with the rainfall still continuing this evening and then likely overnight tonight is when we'll start to see it ease off. So a heads up, especially near Hudson Hope and Chetwin where we've got higher amounts and an additional 10 and up to 20 millimetres with those areas seeing that range between 60 and up to 80 millimetres and most areas near the peace will still see that range between 30 and up to 50, tapering off to showers for tomorrow but breezy at times with gusts of up to 40 kilometres per hour. With that rainfall, the flood concern with the high stream flow advisory, the Skeena is included within that and the flood watch. We're seeing that for areas near the peace that'll likely peak this evening and leading in towards our Sunday. Now we are looking at the future cast and putting it into play. By tomorrow morning, we still have a slight chance for a few isolated showers for all areas along the south coast. Chance of showers is going to pick up for the southern interior and then a chance of showers for most areas near the northeastern corners of the province. And then we've got a wave of rain that'll likely take us in towards our Monday morning. Most areas along the coast for tomorrow will actually see some breaks. It dries out with temperatures up to 14 degrees. The instability inland near Smithers with that risk of thunderstorms. It'll be showers for the peace, so a break from the heavier rainfalls. Most areas for the central interior will also see that chance of showers, but the instability is for areas towards the south. Southern interior will see the chance of showers and risk of thunderstorms for the afternoon, and the winds will pick up with the potential with gusts of up to 60 or 40 kilometers per hour, but some of those temperatures will get into the low 20s. A bit more gray for Whistler tomorrow. Showers with highs just up to 11 degrees. It'll still be a touch cool for all areas along the south coast, mainly cloudy with just a 30% chance of a shower. The winds will take us in towards the afternoon, up to 40. Monday morning, unsettled, a greater chance of showers. Looks to dry out as we get in towards the evening, and then rebounding some sunshine for a Tuesday, Wednesday, and highs getting back into the low 20s. Nithu? All right, thanks very much, Yvonne. Well, some funk and glitter returned to downtown Vancouver last night with the return of the Viva Roller Disco. <laughs> The large roller disco dance party was back at the Robson Square ice rink after a COVID-19 hiatus. Those in attendance strapped on their roller skates and skated to music from two local DJs. The 80s-themed event celebrated moving towards the end of the pandemic. Basically, roller skating became a big hobby for a lot of people during the pandemic. And they've been dancing and playing by themselves or their small group. And they're finally coming together as a community. That is awesome. Have either of you tried roller skating? Back I used to do it on the, the four-wheelers. Oh, there you go. You'll I want to say us. in a different decade. Started with a vowel, but yeah. I did in elementary school. I remember oh, that. Oh, there you go. It was go. back at Stardust. I think we'd make a field trip yes, out there, right? And exactly. And then you get to, so yeah. I've never given it a go. No, <laughs> no you haven't. Okay. Well, we can some update some fashion the tips there, too. Yeah, ah, like Exactly, that. yes. Well, speaking of activity, what is going on in sports today, Well, uh, both Lions and Whitecaps in action. Lions preseason in Calgary. Let's have some highlights of that. And Whitecaps just on the pitch in Kansas City. Caps playing much better in the month of May, so that's all coming up. All right, sounds good. Thanks very much, Barry. Also ahead, commemorating community contributions. Significant milestone in not only Japanese-Canadian history, but also Canadian history. How the new name for this Surrey Park honors a pioneer. 
One week after the B.C. government announced a $100 million redress initiative to recognize and repair some of the lasting harms perpetuated against Japanese Canadians during the Second World War, we are learning more about one of the veterans who successfully fought back. Kristen Robinson has more on Zenosuke Inoue and how the city of Surrey is honoring his legacy. Barry and Rob Inoue are reminiscing steps from where their grandfather established a farm more than a century ago. This is 1957. That was the year he died. Rob was eight years old and remembers his grandmother's Japanese feasts. Zenosuke Inoue came to Canada in 1900 and served in the First World War before buying 32 hectares in Surrey through the Soldier Settlement Act. He and his wife started a strawberry farm and had five children. Inoue kept part of his past hidden. In Japanese culture, there's a word called uh, gamang, which means to, to endure. So anytime you have any painful experiences or, or feelings, you, you have to hold them inside. In 1942, Inoue and his wife were removed from their farm and interned. His property sold for use under the Veterans Land Act. The irony not lost on Inoue. We're very, very proud of our, our grandfather, not only for his bravery in uh, fighting for Canada at Vimy Ridge, but also for his uh, courage and determination in standing up to the government. It's an incredible story of resilience. When the First World War soldiers' land was designated for Second World War veterans, Inoue wrote the government in letters stored at the Nikkei National Museum. I bought this wild land. 32 acres were cleared by me. So he continued writing these letters. He wrote 80 letters in total. In 1949, the Canadian government agreed with him, said this was unjust. We are going to give you your land back. He goes down in Japanese-Canadian history as the only man who got his land back during the internment or after the internment. The city of Surrey recently named this 18-hectare park south of Inoue's original farm after the veteran who confronted entrenched authority and won. Inoue's name already on the Japanese-Canadian War Memorial in Stanley Park. He had that warrior spirit to, to fight. His family hopes those walking through here will learn the story behind the sign. Yeah, we're very proud of him. <laughs> For our family, he's a, he's a real hero. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Still ahead, five generations in a photo. The family members meeting for the first time during a very special shoot. The Planted Expo is back at the Vancouver Convention Center. On June 4th and 5th, don't miss Canada's largest event dedicated to all things plant-based. Whether you follow a plant-based diet, health-conscious or eco-conscious, bring the family to discover and sample 200 innovative food, fashion and home product brands. Celebrate local seafood during the Steveston Spot Prawn and Seafood Celebration. Meet the returning boats at Fisherman's Wharf to purchase the catch of the day, learn recipes from professional chefs and dine out at the participating restaurants in Richmond. Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. 
All right, Barry's here for the full sportscast and the Lions in Alberta today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the Lions are upset. Well, not upset. The mm. Alberta teams, when the CFL players went on strike, for some reason got allowed to practice because of the oh, labor laws there. So they right. feel they're behind the mm. Alberta teams who they do play uh, Edmonton in their season opener. So Understandable. It's a bit of a controversy. <laughs> we won't get into it. Thanks, Nithu. Uh The Lions played the first of their two preseason games today in Calgary. Nearly all of the Lions' projected starters this season actually stayed in Calgary. Kamloops at training camp to get in extra workouts. This game featured rookies and those looking to impress the coaching staff enough to keep them around for at least another week. Stamps at home playing their veterans, so a uh, bit of a mismatch, one would think, and if you thought that, you were right. Lions trailed 13-0 at the half, but in the third quarter, the former UBC Thunderbird quarterback, Michael O'Connor, going deep, 38-yard touchdown pass to Jamarius Way, and it's 13-6. But a tough day for the Lions' other QB, Kevin Thompson, hit hard as he throws, picked off, returned for the touchdown. Thompson was injured, no update on him. 41-6, Stamps win. You get another look at the shot he took. Lions will have their veterans in place Friday at home to the Rough Riders. Coach Campbell keeping things in perspective after the game. It's a steep learning curve, so... Um... I'm proud of how they competed. There were some guys that did some really good things. Um, we were battling. Obviously, it got away at the end of the game. Um, but our number one objective coming into this game was to evaluate and um, make sure we don't miss on good players. So we need to make sure we do a good job watching this film, and um, we'll check it out. The Whitecaps have had an incredibly busy month of May. Tonight they are playing their seventh game in a 20-day stretch. But they've had some success, 2-1-1 in MLS play and 2-0 in Canadian Championship play. Vanny Sartini likes the progress his team is showing, but they have still yet to even get a draw on the road in MLS this season. 0-6, outscored 16-4. Whitecaps taking on Sporting Kansas City tonight. Last visit uh, there was the 3-1 playoff loss last October. No Ryan Gauld or Brian White. White out with COVID, Gauld a hamstring tightness, but Lucas Cavallini's there and he got fouled in the box. It hurts, but he gets a penalty kick awarded. And check this out from the spot, confidently chipping that one in. And that's where we stand right now, uh, late in the first half. It's 1-0 Vancouver over Kansas City. Champions League final from Paris, Liverpool and Real Madrid. The match started about 20 minutes late, fans having trouble getting into the stadium. Rafa Nadal, a huge Madrid, a Real Madrid fan, plays Felix Oje Aliassime tomorrow at the French Open. Liverpool had the best chances early. Sadio Mane with the ripper, but Thibaut Courtois gets a piece, knocks it off the post. Courtois was superb today. 43rd, Real Madrid on the attack. Karim Benzema gets behind the defense. A mad scramble here. Finally, Benzema will knock it past Allison into the net, but it was ruled offside after a lengthy VAR review. No mill at halftime. But in the 59th, they get one that does count. Great feed by Valverde to Vinicius Jr. Real get the jump. 1-0, they lead. But Liverpool with so many weapons. Mo Salah curls the left footer, but Courtois at full stretch knocks it away. 82nd. Salah 
back for more. Brings down the long ball beautifully here and then smashes one. But again, the Belgian Courtois knocks it to safety. He made a record nine saves in the match, most ever in a Champions League final. And Real Madrid does it again. They beat Liverpool to win their record 14th Champions League trophy. That's twice as much as any other European club. World Hockey Championship semifinal Saturday. Canada meeting the Czechs. Finland beat the U.S. 4-3 in the first semi. Czechs got the opening goal, but it was all Canada after that. Dylan Cousins in the final minute of the opening period gets a couple of swats at it. 1-1 after one, and that goal uh, really gave Canada a boost. They were killing a lot of penalties in the first and were probably fortunate to be tied. They got some power play time of their own in the second. Port Moody's Kent Johnson setting up Adam Lowry, spins and slides it in. Johnson with some uh, great stick handling there. 2-1 Canada. And then it's Johnson's turn to get on the board as he will get a quick pass from Mercer Dawson. 3-1 Canada. Seventh point of the tournament for Johnson, who has played for the World Junior Team, the Olympic Team, and now the World Championship Team. He's been a great Canadian this year. Matt Barzell getting in on the act. Coquitlam guy zips it under the bar. Another power play goal. Canada got six unanswered. They win at 6-1. They'll play Finland for gold tomorrow at 10 o'clock a.m. our time. Stanley Cup playoffs. Game six. Hurricanes and Rangers from MSG. New York trying to force a game seven. Hurricanes 7-0 at home these playoffs. 0-5 on the road. And True to form, it stayed that way. Sebastian Ajo in alone, but Igor Shosturkin with the big save. And literally moments after that, it's the former Canuck, Tyler Mott, with the long wrister, squeezes through anti-Ranta. Mott second of the series. MSG explodes. What an atmosphere there tonight. one nothing New York. And then on a power play, Mika Zabanajad will walk around the defense and then makes a slick move to open the five-hole on Ranta. His seventh of the playoffs. 2-0 for the Rangers after one. And they add to the lead early in the second. A 2-1-1 break. Philip Heedle will snap it past Ranta. Ranta gets the hook. Rangers led 3-0, but it's now 4-2 New York late second. The Memorial Cup was in Kamloops yesterday for a special announcement. And the plan is to keep it there for another year and a bit. The city of Kamloops and the Blazers organization awarded the 2023 Memorial Cup. The CHL recognizing the rich junior hockey history of Kamloops in returning the championship to a smaller market. Mostly I'm excited for the city. You know, Kamloops is dear to, uh, to my heart. My, my, uh, my father was born here and grew up here. And my grandfather, you know, lived here. And this is, this is an important community to our family. And so, uh, so for me, it's, it's mostly about the city. This is a city that is built for the Memorial Cup. And, uh, and, and, and cities like Kamloops should host the Memorial Cup and have a chance. And so I'm just so thrilled that, you know, a city of 100,000 gets to host, you know, this beautiful trophy and, and the amazing event that is the Memorial Cup. And so Kamloops is going to do a marvelous job. And the Memorial Cup in the house last night for Game 5 of the Western Conference Final between the Blazers and Seattle Thunderbirds went to overtime. Fraser Minton on the wraparound. Dalen Kiefler knocks in the winner, and the Blazers win 4-3. They lead the series 3-2. They can wrap up the series tomorrow afternoon in Seattle. The winner gets the Edmonton Oil Kings in the finals. They beat Winnipeg in the Eastern Conference Final. French Open today. Women's top seed 
Iga Swiatek of Poland continues to just steamroll the competition, taking on Danka Kovinic of Montenegro. Swiatek riding a 30-match win streak. Opening set, smashes the backhand winner down the line. Now serving for the first set. Swiatek with the deep forehand will set up the easy put away at net, and she takes the set six games to three. Kovinic uh, actually put up a pretty good fight. Broke Sviantek three times. This match much closer than many during the long win streak, but in the end, it's a 31st straight victory for the 20-year-old Polish superstar. Longest win streak in nine years on the WTA Tour since Serena Williams won 34 straight in 2013. And third round of the Charles Schwab Challenge from Colonial Country Club in Dallas. World number one Scotty Scheffler began the day tied for the lead at the 10th chipping from just off the green. That goes in for birdie, and he's got the solo lead. And then on 18, Scheffler still up one. 30-plus feet away for birdie. Would be happy just to get it close and take his par. Then again, he's the number one player in the world. Why not knock it in for birdie and make it a two-shot lead? He's at minus 11. Adam Svensson of Surrey tied for 17th at minus four. Nick Taylor is at minus one, and he is 10 shots behind Scheffler. That's it for sports. Beautifully done. All right. Thanks very much, Barry. We'll be right back with how five generations of a family got together for a historic photo shoot. Stay with us. Well, a very special photo shoot in West Kelowna this afternoon, capturing five generations of women ranging in age from 93 to four months. Yes, very surprised. Yes, because and I didn't think I would make it to, to that age. And they came from Winnipeg, especially to visit me. The three younger generations made the trip from Manitoba so baby Brooke could meet her great-great-oma. The family realized it would be a pretty special moment, so they hired a photographer for the occasion. The result, a family portrait for the photo album that will go down in history. Great-great-oma Gisela says she and her husband moved from Winnipeg to the Okanagan in 1988, and she doesn't regret it, but she would like to convince the rest of her family to come and join her here in B.C. Slightly wow. warmer than Winnipeg. Yes, this is true. This is very true. Good place for the family to get together. Great photos as well. Exactly. Speaking of the weather here in BC, though, it's certainly <laughs> up and down this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a bit unsettled, a bit more cloud than sun. We'll likely see that similar for tomorrow, but breezy at times is so something to keep in mind if you're closer towards the water. A few isolated showers could pop up, a greater chance on Monday. And then once we get past that, it looks like we'll be into some sunshine and temperatures even warming up for our Tuesday as well. Great. All right. Thanks very much, all. And thank you. We'll leave you tonight with more from this year's Hayak International Parade. Krista Dow is back tonight with Global News at 11. Thanks for watching. Good night.